for in our churches, it is it is really time for pastors to double down on preaching the gospel, the true gospel of Christ to people. His death, burial, and resurrection, his ascension, his reign now at the right hand of the Father, his second coming as the deeply encouraging things of Scripture. This is encouragement, right? This is Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I am Nathan Loudon, the pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. All right, here's something I'll say about encouragement to begin I, I was encouraged by several people in the last few weeks, and it, it meant a lot more to me than I thought it, it would if you would have asked. So I had one of my elders call me on Monday and just ask how I was doing. That, that was the, the whole purpose of the phone call. I just wanted to see how you're doing, let you know I'm praying for you, thankful for you, see some things that you're doing. How are you doing? When I got off the phone, I realized, man, I needed that phone call. That meant so much to me. Um, a few days later, I get a text from another pastor who used to be part of our church. He's uh, in another city now. We were texting about Simeon Trust coming up, and he just said some encouraging things to me about uh, ministry and thankfulness for a few things. And I, I just did not realize how how much that affected me to hear that. It was it was like it was life giving. Oh, and then another pastor in town uh, messaged me Sunday morning before our church service and just said, um, "Praying for you and for your church this morning," uh, and mentioned a passage of scripture they were they were praying something about Moses. And it just it meant a lot. Uh, it was pretty short and simple. And even if it was you know his plan right now is every week message another pastor on the list you know and it and it wasn't a totally spontaneous thing it it just doesn't matter um the intention it it just surprised me how much encouragement meant to me and it really has has made me wonder and i and i know that encouragement isn't a strength of mine i i have to work at it and think about it and encourage others intentionally uh, but it just caught me off guard that it meant so much. It just gave me so much life. It it helped me. It strengthened my my heart for ministry for the next few days, and it just made me think a lot about um, how valuable it is to be an encourager, and just be thinking about what it means to encourage someone. Um, exact. What what is encouragement in the Bible, and and what is it not? Um, what's the difference? I think this is a, a big question. What's the difference between like encouragement and flattery? Encouragement and um, maybe kind of just uh, you know pats on the back, you know, attaboys. What's the difference between um, you know soft generic words? You know, like sometimes I've had people leave. And say thank you for the sermon or something like that. And just the way it said, I'm just not sure they could remember anything from the sermon that I just preached. And, and that's fine. That's fine. I've, I've fell asleep in sermons before. That I'm not, you know, that's fine. Um, but what does it mean to be encouraged? What, what is encouragement? Um, I think that's worth, worth talking about. And I, I would just ask you, what would you say in your pastoral ministry has been something recently or over the years that has been... Uh, encouraging something that's that's helped you and 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 by that may, maybe even kind of begin to define what encouragement is um yeah i think over the last several weeks even last i would say yeah week or or maybe a little more um i received 
text message, a letter, um, or I guess it was a card, but but a, and a couple of different um, forms that was just expressing gratitude for teaching, for uh, being here, for pastoring the church, or, or whatever. And um, so, you know, I, I think um, to echo kind of what you what you were saying, I, I've had those moments as well, and um, I I tend to notice that they kind of come in um, in bunches, you know, like mm-hmm. the, there's like kind of encouragement all at once, and then there's just like silence, and then there's encouragement all at once, and then mm-hmm. there's kind of silence, and I think um, you know in regards to how we consider encouragement versus flattery, it seems like, you know, obviously flattery is condemned in scripture. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it seems like the one, and this is me kind of spitballing off the top of my head, I think for the most part, flattery seems to be that the one giving the praise benefits from the praise. Mm-hmm. So, they're they're saying what they're saying in the hopes that you will think well of them mm-hmm. because of what they've said, mm-hmm. and um, encouragement would be I notice a brother or sister who is either struggling or perhaps is is doing really well, and um, I want to lift them up so that they receive the benefit from it. It seems like because because they're really close. I mean, in in terms of what it would look like from the outside to an outside observer, just an alien kind of watching the situation unfold, the words that come out of one's mouth might be the same. You know, whether they were encouraging or flattering, but I think the difference might be a heart level difference. That the intention behind it is different. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, the flattery will land on a person for what they've done. Um, that was a really great sermon. You're a good preacher. That that's good. That may be true. That that may in itself be an encouraging. But but flattery will tend to end there at the person. Encouragement is a strengthening and a comforting back towards some mission, a a, a re-strengthening. Um, towards something. Um, Mm. So a a, a passage of Scripture, an example, is when Paul goes on his missionary journey. Uh, He goes through multiple cities and and preaches the gospel. And um, we we have new Christians in new cities for the very first time. And then in Acts 14, 21-23, it says, "...when they had preached the gospel to this city and had many disciples, they returned." to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So the the encouragement is coming alongside Christians to continue in the faith recognizing you're going to be experiencing a lot of trials and tribulations between here and entering the kingdom of God in, in eternity. And so the the encouragement is to keep doing something, uh, to, to be faithful in, in trusting the Lord, believing the gospel of Jesus Christ, treasuring the saints and the church and loving one another, and 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 help them keep keep doing that. Uh, so, and and Paul thought it was so important that they that they did a mission trip for it. I mean, they they did their whole trip from city to city back to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch to see all those three churches for the purpose of strengthening the souls, encouraging them to continue in the faith. Now, what did that mean? Was it was it Bible studies? Was it singing in worship? Was it fellowship um, at the house late into the night, talking about how things were going? Was it leaving some money uh, to support some of those families who maybe had lost jobs because of their faith? Was it uh, you know, past leaving some money for the sick in the church? Yes, 
I think it was probably all of those things. Um, but it was, first and foremost, the purpose of, you're already Christians, you, you need encouragement. You, you just need love to be comforted, to be strengthened, uh, to, keep, to keep going in the faith. And that's, I think that's really telling that Paul had that purpose with, with his time and his investments and his, uh, the path that he took on his missionary journey uh, was a multiple city trip for encouragement on, on, more, than, on more than one occasion. Um, and, and so it, it just, it's just one way. There's multiple passages in the Bible that are just uh, teaching um, uh, encouragement as being as being a necessary, important part of being in Christian fellowship, what we give one another, what we offer one another, whether that's pastor to pastor, um, whether that's pastor to church member, church member to pastor, church member to church member, church to mission plant, church to you know foreign mission location. Um, I think we live in a culture and a generation that is more individualistic than ever. I don't have, you don't have to think that. The statistics are there. The culture is there. My identity now is more individual than ever, right? Who, who, I am who I say I am. I am who I think I am. I am who I want to be. Uh, I'm not who anyone else says I am. I'm So, you know, and yet even... Even, even in that individualism, how how do those who let's say for example those who are following down the transgender track how do they get there? Well, there are multiple books written about how young boys and girls go down the transgender track, and it's not because they're sitting at home thinking, you know, we I read a you know I read a story about Hansel and Gretel, and then I woke up thinking I'm a girl. The most common narrative is they find an online community that takes things they're going through and encourages them a certain direction, that Mm -hmm. helps them think things they've never thought or expound on discomforts that they're feeling or trauma that they've been through, and turn that into so give them it gives them encouragement it gives them strength well if i feel like this and they're feeling like this then it's okay to feel like this and and be like this and and it's it's encouraging those things Mm -hmm. uh, that they might not otherwise uh feel so strongly about so it's it's funny because in our individual culture we we tend to feel like we don't need as much encouragement uh, that's my personality as well. I continue to be surprised by how much I need encouragement. It's humiliating. And we live in an individualistic culture, and yet even in our individualistic culture, you find all kinds of ways that we, we I mean, even in, in politics, you know, in the, the polarization of politics, the, the more that you have a camp that is uh, regurgitating what you think, feel, believe, the the easier it is to think, feel, and believe that more loudly. Um you know, if you if you're at work and you go into a meeting with twelve people, if there are four other people who are thinking the thing that you're thinking, you know, about what the problem is at work, um, it's going to encourage you to be more vocal about it when the, when the meeting is open. We we think and operate this way, no matter how much we want our culture to be individualistic or how much it is so, and uh, and sinfully. Encouragement is all over the place, and we, we, we just live—we we can't hide our want for it and our need for it uh, as, as humans. I think that has to do with part of our design, do you think, that we're, you know, we're, we're created for, for fellowship, for encouragement, for, uh, you know, mutual strength and, and building up. That, that's part of human relation, much less Christian fellowship. Uh, and, and what it means. Um, so yeah, I, that's just some things I'm thinking through. Just how important and how powerful in, encouragement can be, and how easy it can be for me to uh, to miss just how powerful encouragement can be. 
Um, any, I don't know, any thoughts on that? Where you're there's a there's a really clear stimulus that that God has designed inside the church body in particular for encouragement to function for the building up of a Christian sitting next to you. And that's commanded to us a number of a number of times. Um, we're encouraged. So I'm thinking of like First Thessalonians four and five. He uses a word that is related to encouragement several times. And the word that he uses, he uses two different words for encourage, um, or that we translate to encourage. One is translated in a number of different ways. Uh, it could be translated called, it could be translated urge, it could be translated encourage, uh, come alongside, it could be translated a number of different ways. And mm-hmm. then there's another word that he uses that, that normally is translated encourage. But he he, re- he reiterates this on a number of occasions. And um, one of the ways we encourage is with doctrine of the second coming of Christ. And he tells mm-hmm. us at the end, he kind of gives that big um, exhortation in, uh, or, or that kind of uh, picture of Christ returning in First First Thessalonians four thirteen and following all the way to eighteen, and when he gets to eighteen, at the end he says, "Therefore, we'll, so we will always be with the Lord." In seventeen, and then in eighteen he says, "Therefore, encourage one another with these words." So that the reason that he gives the doctrine of the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ, is to encourage you to press on. Mm-hmm. And I think to your point, the difference between flattery is is you know. Um, I, so part of that, I think, is I'm receiving the benefit from my words of encouragement so so that you will think well of me. And then the other part of that is that it has a it has a stopping point. It's a terminus that sort of ends with the compliment itself rather than um, rather than pushing through to here's the impact of what you've just done. That's mm-hmm. been really helpful and that it's gone towards a goal. I think that's demonstrated where Paul says, here's the doctrine of the second coming of Christ. Encourage one another with these words. Mm-hmm. They're meant to help you to press on toward a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's one part of it. But then he, he comes down right after that and he says um, um, that you're fully aware that the, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night when while people are saying there is peace and security and then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. So he's pushing them on to sobriety and he's pushing them on Mm -hmm. toward the goal uh, of reaching the finish line, essentially. And he says, um, for those who sleep, sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet of uh, uh, for a helmet, the hope of salvation for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that the, the um, I guess you might, you might say um, the, maybe the oil in the car of the church is the encouragement of the saints for the purpose of building one another up so that they might run through the finish line for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. That it, what, what's interesting, I think, about encouragement and so um, uh, deeply convicting to me is that um, God has not built his people to be corrected by criticism. Mm-hmm. And that criticism is very easy, and it, it's it, it's sort of easy to set set aside and look at what somebody's doing and criticize every uh, move one way or another. But instead, 
he ha- he has you we are correcting and um and building one another up in in uh in a way of encouragement in w- one sense where we're coming to them and encouraging them towards a better way and then we're correcting them we're saying specifically what the problem is and what why that's why that's sinful and it so it's not in that kind of sitting on the sidelines version of criticism but it's it's actually in a holy confrontation in some cases where we're correcting one another with the word pointing out very specific sins but otherwise we're coming alongside and encouraging one another toward the finish line and you can kind of see the way those two work where um where the the confrontation is sort of it seems like in scripture um comparatively rare right like the times where you come alongside someone and you uh you you correct them in sin we would hope would be a comparatively rare thing versus the encouragement being press on press on press on we can do this let's join together for the glory of god you know, continue to believe. Look at what what promises we have. Those are steadfast encouragements that come to us that should be coming to us, um, maybe even daily from our brothers and sisters. And especially he, what he says, uh, which to me is really encouraging. It, it, ironically, is um, is in regard to um, the the people who are, you know, not excelling as well in the Christian faith. Can we say it that way? In in When he comes down from there in verse 11, he says, therefore, encourage one another, build one another, just as you are doing. In verse 14, which is just, that was 11. In verse 14, he says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. So he doesn't ever say criticize the faint-hearted. He doesn't ever say criticize the weak. He says, admonish them, meaning go to them and correct them, point out what's wrong and what needs to be corrected, what specifically is sinful and what needs to change. But then the rest of it is, in, and, and that is an encouragement in and of itself, but the rest of it is encourage. Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. You can You can sense from the the words that he uses and the words that are used throughout the New Testament, what the New Testament, New Covenant community is actually supposed to look like. There's no spears and and things like that. It, it's plowshares and pruning hooks. You know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a totally transformed community that is is there to encourage one another in Christ and to build one another up. And to help one another, and to come alongside one another, not to criticize, not to tear down, but to see to it that everyone in the church crosses the finish line. That's the goal. And even Paul says that about himself. Is like, I'm doing this. I do everything that I'm doing, so that you'll cross the finish line. I want to deliver everyone over to Christ, perfect and blameless. I don't want anyone to fall behind. We want everyone to make it. And so. You know, the, the goal is to come alongside and push one another on. And so even in our admonishment, I think there is the question, what is that admonishment for? Do, do we, is the admonishment to tear down and to really hurt and to you hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you back kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And, and you, you feel justified in that admonishment? Or is it, is it the encouraging side of admonishment that... I want this brother to make it. I want this sister to make it through to the end. Mm-hmm. And so I think if I point this out to them that they're blind to, that it will encourage them to cross the finish line. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so even our admonishment has the 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 sense of encouragement to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and even our warnings they may be very strong warnings and very mm-hmm. pointed warnings. But there's still the design and the hope is encouragement. This is the process of church discipline that we see in 1 Corinthians 5. When when um, Paul in, tells them, look, hand him over to Satan, he says, for the destruction of the flesh, so that in the day of the Lord he might be saved. That The goal, even there, even in the most strict form of discipline, excommunicating somebody from the church, the goal is encouragement that he would cross the finish line. Mm-hmm. So... 
basically everything that we're doing as it relates to another person in our in the New Testament community, the church, is to to help them cross the finish line. Mm-hmm. And that happens through encouragement. And so it it's a um it's to me it's deeply convicting because one, I'm kinda like you, it is difficult for me to to do that. Um, or to just to just point that out. And especially as I think of like my children, um, you know, my children are not it my I um I don't know when the Lord chooses to save who whom he chooses to save, but mm-hmm. um and so I, I hesitate to say like my kids are not Christians or, or whatever. Um, my kids are, are learning what it means to follow Christ. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. And um, and you know, I think what what's convicting for me when I think about that is what comes out of my mouth more often. Is it encouragement or is it uh, chastisement? Mm-hmm. Is it encouragement or is it criticism? You know, you didn't do this right, and you you didn't do that, and I wish you would do more like this. Am I communicating a gospel to them that is a gospel of works, that you need to do better to um, meet my approval? Mm-hmm. Or am I encouraging them to continue to press on like I would a Christian? My kids would tell you, I believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I want to follow Jesus. My kids would tell you, I want to be baptized. And so a- am I encouraging them and saying, let's, let's press on and follow Christ together, you know, or am I coming in more often than not and criticizing the things that they do? Um, and it kind of, it kind of honestly chokes me up a little bit to think about, um, you know, how, what my parenting is like as it, as it pertains to their young budding, perhaps faith. Mm-hmm. And what I might be doing to discourage them from coming to the genuine faith in Christ, mm-hmm. um, and and how that could change just through being more of an encourager to them rather than a criticizer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as you look through Scripture as a whole, it is astounding to think to to see in the New Testament the place of encouragement and how often Paul is seen as encouraging the church and how he does what he does to encourage the church and how his instruction to the church is to encourage one another and and that requires discernment uh, like you you mentioned first Thessalonians we we urge you brothers he's told them to encourage each other multiple times admonish the idle encourage the faint-hearted help the weak and be patient with them all so there's a discernment that's required for encouragement you don't want to encourage those who are idle i recall one of the first years of my ministry here i i was helping someone who i felt like was living in 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 idleness and just spiritually in in life and so i admonished them uh in that way and that created a discord between myself and that person because they felt like they what they needed was encouragement and mm-hmm. i mean that's hard i think you would say there's plenty of times when you've admonished the faint-hearted and encouraged the idle <laughs> you know accidentally yeah. without realizing you, you didn't discern what was going on in that moment it's a constant um you know that needs constant prayerfulness carefulness listening um uh, understanding of, of what's what's going on um but that that power of encouragement is uh it, it's it's just easy it's easy to miss and um i i'm just I've enjoyed being encouraged, and it's made me think about encouragement for my staff, and how I, uh, and leaders, and and deacons, and and how they uh, could just use encouragement, not not flattery. You're doing a your good job. You're amazing, uh, but encouragement in the faith, encouragement in in the ministry. Um, you know, going back to discernment, Paul even tells Timothy not to rebuke an older man. 
but encourage him as you would a father. So you've got to you got to be careful. Uh, you know, encouragement can be a replacement for uh, rebuke in cir- certain circumstances, but depending on your relationship to someone. Um, you know, you you mentioned uh, doctrine and truth being in- encouraging. Um, another one that comes to mind is Hebrews ten twenty four to twenty five, that uh, a book written to the church that needed encouragement to stay in the faith, to to not go back to uh, Judaism and back to Moses and back to the law. And the author of Hebrews says, "Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works." not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In that passage, the way to um, encourage one another is by not neglecting to meet together. The, The opposite of neglect is to encourage one another by gathering. By, by getting together and singing, hearing preaching, and praying as a church. Sticking around for a few minutes, talk after the service, and, and go home. And I think for a lot of people, there's... Um, I just continue... I don't know about you, but I continue to be encouraged most weeks. I get encouraged from our services. Like, I mm-hmm. I, I can I can get exhausted preaching, and I can go home, like, drained. My, my people time is spent. But encouraged by the singing, by the laughter, by seeing people pray with one another at the front or at the back or in the hallway, by praying with people, by um, just the, the, the church gathering around the preaching of the word and the praying and singing of, of the gospel. And I think for a lot of people, there's a struggle because um, the gathered church isn't... Um, it's not everything that we need in terms of being known and fellowship and praying for one another. And it's not the totality of discipleship. Um, but I think we significantly miss just the the general broad stroke thrusting forward encouragement that gathering provides every single week. The, the hearing of the preached word, the singing of the saints, hearing one another, singing to one another. Um, uh, just, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm just encouraged by it every week. When I get up to preach and I've heard the church sing, it, 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 it builds me up and puffs up my faith and my spirits. Yeah, we, we do this, uh, and I think y'all do too. Um, we typically, and in, in probably... 75% of our songs, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, the last verse or a part of the song will be a cappella, mm-hmm. where the instruments will just drop out mm-hmm. and we'll just hear the voices sing. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 funny what that does. You know, like, um, and, and it, it's hard to even describe, but when you hear the instruments and everybody's singing along, you can sense that there are people singing but you don't really hear them, even though you kind of know that that's happening. But when the instruments drop out and and everybody continues to sing "Holy, Holy, Holy," or you know whatever, mm-hmm. it, it um, there there is this. It's almost like you're immediately transported to eternity mm-hmm. before the throne of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and you can get a sense or imagine what it might be like to have people of every tribe and language and nation and tongue before the throne singing praise to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And what, what will that be like to be before the throne with Moses and Abraham and Nathan and, you know, and, and people that you've never met from China and Africa and, 
and India and Russia and Europe and you know Australia and and, and everyone singing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that's going to be like, but my my own thought is that it will probably be in the tongues that we were born in, mm-hmm. you know, but yet everyone understanding one another, mm-hmm. you know, m- much like you see it like Pentecost or, or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that is just, uh, it's, in, it's riveting. It's, it's exciting. It's, um, it's encouraging and, and it, it causes me in a supernatural way to want to push on to see that end, mm-hmm. to, to realize that goal and to be reminded that no matter what is going on now, that I want to see that day. Mm-hmm. And sort of like Paul in, in Romans eight eighteen, you know, I don't consider the present sufferings to be, be, be worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. That, that all of the things that might be going on in life and all the discouragements or all the, um, you know, frustrations or challenges or even sin struggles or whatever, that, uh, that all of that that I'm going through is sort of subsumed when all the saints together that are in my world anyway are, uh, are, are singing the same song and and whether it be on key or off key, singing together <laughs> strictly to to praise the Lord, mm-hmm. and not even any instruments like we don't even need that you mm-hmm. know it just it, it's it's so deeply enriching and I think and just um, adds to the vibrancy of worship in a way that um, that it is so is so good mm-hmm. and I, and it, enjoy it so much yeah. Yeah, we were um, preaching through uh, through Job, and it's on the exact pace that I, I planned for it to be so far. By the way, just just so you know, and yeah. we were in Job eight through ten. So you're about through, aren't you? And, uh, it's four, forty yeah, chapters, I'm, and you're pushing now three weeks, I think. So uh, <laughs> almost done. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm just just trying to encourage you. We're in Job eight <laughs> through ten, where uh, his friend. Uh, Job's friend encourages him to go plead with the Almighty. Um, Build that encourages him to go basically beg before God and take his case before him. And if you'll plead with God, God will turn this all around. And long story short, we got to a place where we realized that the the thing that we needed in our part of the thing that we need in our suffering is the affirmation that. Jesus is the one pleading for us before God to forgive our sin and that Jesus has already borne the suffering and death that we deserve for our sin that he has raised from the grave, which totally recontextualizes all the suffering that we're experiencing in, in our lives. Why, why are bad things happening? Well, we don't have to go to God and plead that our uh, that, that he would, you know, somehow quit punishing us for our sin because we already believe that our sin is covered in in Jesus on the cross. And so we, we talked, we sang a song that day before the throne of God above, and it says, "Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is Love, who ever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart." I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. We talked about this 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 song about the it's basically about penal substitution that Jesus is taking our place and that he is representing us and paying the 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 price for us before God, the doctrine of, of our justification through Christ alone. And that in this sense, this is not just doctrine. This is not just like, you know, well, we've got to believe something. That's our statement of faith. But gathering with the church to everyone sing together that Jesus is ever pleading 
on our behalf for God, for our sins, and for our justification, that that is encouraging. To believe that is encouraging. That all the suffering you're enduring is not God's punishment for your sin. If God were to punish you for your sin, it would be death. It would be worse. This has some other design to it. So even the encouragement that we need is not your amazing or keep going even, but look what Christ has done. And the church singing that to each other is the gathering. It is the encouraging one another all the more that Jesus has paid for our sin, that Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is our justification before God, that his resurrection from the dead is our hope for actual life. And, and that is the, the nature of, of all forms of encouragement, is remembering, keeping, continuing, as Paul said, Acts 14, continuing in the faith, keeping you in, in the faith. And so you look through different forms of encouragement in the New Testament. I mean, Paul went around and visited. Well, I'm sure that there was doctrinal teaching, as he did when he was there the first time. I'm sure that there was listening. How are you guys doing? What's happened? There was encouragement through prayer, praying for one another, asking for strength, asking for God's providential help, um, and just the visiting seeing other Christians. You know, a couple of places in the New Testament, Paul says, I sent this person to you so that you would be encouraged, both by seeing them and by having heard how we're doing, that, that mm-hmm. we're going on in the faith. There's something about showing up and a hundred other people or a thousand other people going, hey, guys, I'm still a Christian this week. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. You hanging in there? Yeah. Okay. We're all hanging in there, together. Uh, otherwise, you go out in the world and you go to Home Depot, you go to your job, you go out in the world, and you're, it's like you're the only Christian on the block. I'm the only. I'm one of the only Christians on my street, my my whole neighborhood. So when I go to the church, it's like ugh, I could be my my. I don't know, like I can't ever be myself anywhere else. But I'm like I, these. This is my people. Yeah. This yeah. is where. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. At, at, you know, on the front lines of war. This is coming back and getting re-strengthened. Uh, you know, yeah. getting some time off the front lines. I don't know if that's a good illustration or not, but uh, it's it's that kind of encouragement just to see other Christians and and be with them. Much less the deeper levels of church membership and its encouragement. Um, the the expression of gathering together is. Uh, such an such a, a a wonderful encouragement week to week, and I appreciate it more and more. Something that you said, um, you know, in in the in that there about uh, the the doctrine of penal substitution, and in in as kind of illustrating that song and the church singing that and being encouraged by that, mm-hmm. Paul saying, "Here's the doctrine of the second coming of Christ." So it's not just penal substitutionary atonement, mm-hmm. but the second coming of Christ, the the reappearing, the Parisian, that that is encouraging, and you're to encourage one another in these with these words. Uh, we just read Hebrews ten twenty five, encourage encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near, um, desiring to pass go to the finish line. To me, and this is a bit of a maybe a bit of a um, a jog to the side, but. It, it to me it highlights the need in our culture and in our churches for Christ, a Christ-centered understanding of the Bible. Where, because I I think as I survey, uh, just broadly things called Christian church mm-hmm. in our world, things that just I don't, I don't not digging any deeper than that. Just people that would say we are a Christian church. Mm-hmm. Which can be everything from prosperity gospel to you know abhorrent theology, and maybe not even truly saved, um, but and all the way to the staunchest you know Bible believing you know church or whatever, and everything in between. Just just call themselves Christian churches. 
it's it varies wildly from church to church what Christians consider encouraging messages, mm-hmm. right? Like a, a person can sit in a pew and hear health, wealth, and prosperity in that's taught in the prosperity gospel and walk out and say that is encouraging, mm-hmm. and 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 listen to you know, penal substitutionary atonement and the second coming of Christ and feel like, where's the encouragement, mm-hmm. you know, and, and leave not feeling that in their soul there was deep encouragement. Mm-hmm. And for in our churches, it is, it is really time for pastors to double down on preaching the gospel, the true mm-hmm gospel of Christ to people, mm-hmm. his death, burial, and resurrection, his ascension, his reign now at the right hand of the Father, his second coming as the deeply encouraging things of Scripture. Mm-hmm. This is encouragement, mm-hmm. right? This is... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last night in our Wednesday night Bible study uh, I actually made a mistake two weeks ago, and we t- we touched on like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I touched on it two mm-hmm. weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, wow. you know it's a uh, <laughs> good call, good great job. Yeah. So I uh, yeah people I, throwing out coffee did, mugs and taking down decorations yeah, from, from putting yeah. numbers on their wall. Um, yeah. So I I made the mistake of just you know kind of criticizing it almost in a drive by kind of fashion. Yeah. And uh, and then just sort of just keep going, you know. You're and not one of those idiots that I, misinterprets Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, are you? Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like something like that. And I realized afterward that there were some things that I I should have said that I didn't say, and then then there was obviously I didn't treat it with enough kind of care because of how near and dear to people's hearts that verse is, mm-hmm. and um, and so. I last night I went back through it and I just spent the whole night in in unpacking the context of Jeremiah 29. And and I told everyone, you know, I don't I don't want you to take Jeremiah 29:11 off your wall, off down from the plaque on mm-hmm. your wall, you know. But I want you to be encouraged in the right direction by mm-hmm. it. And just walk through Jeremiah's uh, force Jeremiah's prophecy about how that plan that God has for them to prosper them is going to come to fulfillment, mm-hmm. and that what he actually sees that coming to fulfillment in is the new covenant that he gets to in Jeremiah thirty-one, mm-hmm. and that that's even told to us in Deuteronomy from Moses in Deuteronomy twenty-nine, thirty, and thirty-one, and then um, and Jeremiah honestly recycles a lot of Moses's language in, in Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. And um, and then what that leads us to by understanding how Jeremiah is anticipating the deep encouragement to a bunch of exiles being the new covenant that he, I know the plans I have for you is plans to save you and to circumcise your heart and to give you a new heart that you would love me and I will be your God and you'll be my people. That's the plans that I have for you. And the reason that's encouraging, you flash forward to Romans 8, and the new covenant is the foundation for all that Paul says there in Romans 8, which to me, Romans 8, might be the most encouraging chapter in the entire Bible. Mm -hmm. I could just read Romans 8 every day and just be deeply encouraged by everything that is within it. It acknowledges suffering and says not only is suffering there, it is real, it hurts, and sometimes there's no getting out of it. You know, you don't just get out of a stage four, you know, cancer diagnosis. You know, that's without, especially not without just a grueling amount of pain. Uh, You don't just get out of poverty, you know, or hunger or whatever. You know, so it acknowledges the reality of suffering and doesn't try to say, here's the way out of it in the here and now, but says, I don't, com- I don't see that it, it has anything to compare to the glory that's to be revealed to us. And yet all of the promises that are there, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. 
is, and I, neither height nor depth can separate us from the love of God in Christ. It's all built on the foundation of the new covenant. Yeah. So Romans chapter eight is basically the encouraging chapter built on Jeremiah's promise of encouragement in Jeremiah 29 and following. Yeah. It's like Jeremiah saying, look, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. What kind of prosperity is that? Well, look at Romans 8. That's the kind of prosperity it is. Mm-hmm. And and that, and like as, as Piper, I think, says in Future Grace, um, which is still a book I have not read yet. Um, but it, what, what, as they say, the book what says. He kind of, yeah. Yeah, as, as, as he says, the book says, um, that, that that is fuel for today's grace, yeah. or really, I guess, tomorrow's grace. Right. The fuel is not only has Christ redeemed me in the past, but he promises good to me today. Mm-hmm. And that may not be escape from the pain and suffering that I'm, I'm in, but a deep and abiding promise that he's always with me, mm-hmm. that he's here, that he sees me where I am. He knows, and all of this is to conform me into the image of his son. And all of this is promising for me a future grace that is eternal and, and that can, I can never be separated from, mm-hmm. that it will always be there. Yeah. And, and, and I think uh, a way to summarize to what you're is saying so is what you're getting at is that the gospel is the encouragement Christians yes. need. It, it's not yes. that we have the gospel and then we need encouragement. It's the gospel yeah. encourages the Christian. Uh, you, you think of all the different ways and forms that people get encouragement. Right now, the Dallas Cowboys need a lot of en- encouragement. They they need a lot of things and encouragement is is one of them. And what what do you encourage someone with on the Dallas Cowboys? Like money, fans, um, you know, shoe deals, um, a, a couple of wins, um, you know, bring Dak back. Like, what what is the content of encouragement in that arena? And to what end? Christian encouragement is not a frenzied excitement of, you know, get you rallied up. It doesn't have the end of you can do it. You're an amazing person. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it, the, anything that's Christian encouragement at all, which is the encouragement that man needs, our struggle against sin and our facing the judgment of death. All encouragement has to come through the gospel so that even visiting another brother and sister and dropping off a card or a meal or coming to spend an evening with them to ask how they're doing or a phone call or a text is an extension of the gospel, an extension of care from the gospel forward. And the content of the encouragement is the gospel that Christ has died, for, that he has risen from the grave, that we have life in the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is coming back to bring us to be with God forever in fellowship, that, that that's the content of encouragement. And, and so yeah. often I think we get discouraged about discouragement because we think our strength for encouragement is us showing up, providing some kind of strength for our friend, us providing some kind of you know, helping them muster things up. And we're like, I don't even have that. I, I don't even have the strength to give them some strength. Well, it's, it's the gospel, right? It, it is the yeah. simple communication living out of the, the gospel itself for one another. Encouragement in, in the Christian community might end in weeping. Mm-hmm. I mean— it, it, it might end in tears. It might end in even some sadness over your own sin or or, or a number of different things. It might it, be it, patient. It might, Paul, you know, Paul says, encourage the faint-hearted, and that, that includes being patient with them all. Yeah. It, it So the Christian encouragement might end with you um, convicted over the way you've been thinking and uh, and weeping over that, it might it might end in tears. It really might. Mm-hmm. Whereas encouragement in the prosperity gospel sense, in the superficial sense, 
typically always ends in the shaking of a tambourine, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 really, that is not the kind of joy that we're looking for. And Paul describes himself as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. That mm-hmm. that it's it the sorrow and joy in the Christian life are are always together. Mm-hmm. They're they're always there's a a in some sense, a, a bitter sweetness to our life as Christians yeah, and, and encouragement is, is wrestling with the, the, with the actual place where we live. And the only thing that can encourage us there is the gospel of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's it. And, and so, so, you know, to Piper's point, um, that when you, when all you have to encourage you is things that happened in the past, you're essentially a Cowboys fan. You know, he didn't use this example, but I think it's a good one. Oh, that's all the encouragement we have. We, we used won to Super be Bowl 100 yeah. years ago. All right. We won, we won some Super Bowls 100 years ago. And we say, and that's what we do. We yeah. go, we go, well, yeah, we won three back in the 90s. When I was a kid, that, that's part of how I became a Cowboys fan was, you know, we always watched them the, and they won three Super Bowls in four years. Yeah. And I was so excited. And little did I know, don't get used to it. You ain't never going to taste <laughs> glory again. Right, but you're gonna live off the promises in the past, and and that's not the Christian life. No, you know sometimes we we do that though. Sometimes we go, hey, Christ died for you. Yeah, and sometimes but we that's, we 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 find ways to encourage each other that are less than the gospel. So, like for yeah. example, every year, what do I tell you about the Cowboys? This is yeah, this, this is, is the year. year. This is the that's year, and I just I yeah. I feed myself. <laughs> This this encouragement false gospel. That's what the, that pro, is. That's false, a false gospel. gospel. Yeah. There's there's no you ground false for this hope whatsoever. You would have been killed already in the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> and I I never I don't think I don't think I ever convince you that this is actually the year. And I'm I'm kind of sixty no. forty right now on on this year. Uh, we'll see how Dak does first two games back. This ain't it. But the the Christian encouragement isn't built on will wishes. It's not built on like, oh, man. I really wish this would go well. Wouldn't it be great? My my desire is for it to go well. The the encouragement from the gospel is that Jesus did die for our greatest problem. He did raise from the dead. He is now alive, and he will return. And those who are in Christ will be in heaven with God. It, it is an encouragement because it's true. It happened, and it is happening, yeah. and it will happen. Otherwise, any old therapy will do. Any other, you know, yeah. coffee. Just go get coffee. Just go go shop. Go buy things to Take encourage yourselves. Just, yeah, go go make love and go, you know, invest your money in Dogecoin or whatever. Just go do what makes you feel better. But the gospel isn't therapy. It's not emotional therapy. It's it's actual encouragement about what is true and real in your life for the greatest problem that we have, which is sin and death. And it's it's bringing you back to encouragement about that. And mm, I'm just I'm thankful for the gospel, and I'm, and I'm thankful for brothers who have encouraged me in the ministry and sisters in our church in the ministry of the gospel. And not just um, flattery. Someone came up to me on Sunday in in tears, an older woman in our church who's been around for a while, and just thanked me for preaching the word and the gospel and for the effect that it's having on our church. And Mm -hmm. it was humiliating, and it was wonderful, because it wasn't pride-inducing for me. It it couldn't be. I mean, I I guess it could be. I guess I could make it that. But it was about the ministry, and it was about the gospel, and it was about the effect that the gospel was was having. Uh, another woman in our church will just mail out cards every month for members' birthdays. If someone's going through something, she will mail them a card. I, I, I wish I would have, over the years, I look back now, over the last 10 years, I wish I would have kept every card just so I could see the stack of them that it would have become over the years. Sometimes just thank you for your preaching. Sometimes a birthday card. My kids get birthday cards. Um, 
I just I, I don't I can't imagine a world where uh, Maryland's not mailing out cards often yeah. for just all kinds of yeah. stuff. Um, wow, what what an encouragement. Um, yeah, even small things. I, I'm I think I'm reminded um, of lamentations, and I, I, for some reason I I just love Jeremiah and all of the ministry of Jeremiah, mm-hmm. uh, who I think if you were probably to ask him in his time, mm-hmm. how successful is your ministry? <laughs> yeah. How's it going? He, 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 would, yeah. he would probably say not so much, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he, he is lamenting, uh, in lamentations, the, you know, the exile of his people. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing in all, you know, every chapter is, is just lamentation over it all. Mm -hmm. And yet in the middle, right in the smack dab middle of the book Mm -hmm. is I think the point that he gets to Mm -hmm. when he says, um, he says my, um, my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall, my soul continually remembers it and it is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Mm-hmm. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. Mm-hmm. And I, I, the beauty of that little passage is that it is in the midst of nothing but bitterness and lament or lamentation say bitterness just lamentation and for the sin of of his people and and yet he recalls to mind the steadfast love of the lord that it never ceases and his mercies never come to an end they're new every morning Mm -hmm. and you know i think we can look back and be encouraged sure by the by the substitution of Christ for us on the cross the gospel center of the gospel message the penal substitutionary atonement that Christ purchased for us there and that is encouraging mm-hmm. but I think we can forget sometimes that his mercies never come to an end and they are new every morning mm-hmm. that that every single day there are things that he is doing in your life, working in you, working through you, that you can be thankful for and you can be encouraged by. And you can see the effect that others have on you and you can encourage them mm. because of their encouragement to you. Yeah, And you can encourage them because of their aid to you in helping you make it to the end. The fact that you woke up this morning and you're a Christian is a divine miracle. Mm-hmm. And it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's his keeping you. And it's supernatural, the fact that you're a Christian. And, and there are others that he is using to come under you, come under your arms, and help you cross the finish line. Mm-hmm. And, and they're just average, everyday brothers and sisters who are serving in one way or another and... Um, and, and are ministering to you. And that's everything from the deacons that change the light bulbs so that mm-hmm. you can see in the church to, uh, you know, somebody who brings you a meal when you're sick or uh, just calls you to say, hey, or whatever. Yeah. You know, oh my all gosh. the members of the church. Oh. Isn't that just the pastor? Yeah. You know, yeah. all the members of the church are doing that. So, yeah, our, and they're helping you, you know, our daughter was in the hospital several weeks ago and the number of uh cards and plush toys and visits and phone calls and texts and oh man, I it was faith-inducing. And and not always just stuff, uh, but prayer and uh care. It uh, it is encouraging, and I just it, it just another way when I how often when I get encouraged it actually reveals some pride in me, 
that mm. I'm not actually weak thinking I need encouragement. I'm pride thinking I don't, and I get encouragement, and I realize, wow, I really, really needed that uh, so much. Mm. And it's just made me think about uh, others who need it and be other thinking. Uh, who who could use my encouragement today, uh, for, so that mm-hmm. they could continue in the faith? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thankful yeah. for your encouragement over the years, and and me you. So yeah, I think this podcast this podcast has been encouraging. Thanks. Yeah, it has been encouraging. I need to go encourage my kids and my wife now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I think it just convicted myself. Same here. Yeah. All right. Sounds great, man. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Fire and Bones podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released. Consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it. Be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links, including our contact information. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Fire and Bones podcast. Thank you.